the Baseball 365 Podcast, and here are your hosts, Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Welcome to episode 175 of the Baseball 365 Podcast. My name is Justin Hughes, and thank you for taking some time out of your day to spend with us. We are on Twitter, at JustinHughes365, that's my account. Andrew is at AMCQ82, and our Baseball Podcast official account is at Baseball365Pod. It is time for part two of the outfield rankings. If you haven't heard part one yet, Andrew and I touched on outfielders 1 through 28 in the NFBC rankings. And on this episode here, we're going to listen or we're going to touch on outfielders 29 through 55. So basically you're talking a lot of outfielders like threes and fours and stuff like that. But if you haven't listened to the last episode, go give that one a download and then come back and listen to this one. If you've already done so, well, hope you guys enjoy. All right, Andrew, our next grouping, we have of outfielders, outfielders 29 through 32 here. We got Teoscar Hernandez, who's now with the Dodgers. He's at 135 overall. Evan Carter with the Rangers at 139. Anthony Santander at 142. And Jackson Churio, who has his nice contract with the Brewers at 146. I went and looked for sure because his contract extension happened on December 4th. So that ADP is all after he signed that deal. Uh, let's start with Teoscar. Do your feelings on him change at all with him going to the Dodgers? Going going from, oh my gosh, I'm blanking. Was he in Toronto last Seattle. year? Seattle. Seattle. <laughs> I've lost track of him. So, yeah, going from Seattle to the Dodgers, that change it? Uh, not, I mean, not really. I think it, better team, obviously, but. As far as fantasy outlook, I don't think it changes it a ton. What do you, like, you know, for that guy, I think I agree with you. It doesn't change it a ton. But when I think of Teoscar and look into him, I, I see a guy who's in his 30s who's watching his walk rate just continue trickling down. His strikeout rate has it, not been – it's been getting worse. And the Dodgers are really good. And if Teoscar's out there just flailing at slider after slider from right-handed pitchers, I'd, I'd wonder if the Dodgers would just sit idly by all season. So I think me personally, I'm a little scared off of him even more going to the Dodgers. Even though the upside being in that lineup, there's the, yeah, he, he's got he's going to have a better opportunity for having a monster year on that team. I think I'm a little more scared of him going to the Dodgers personally. Do you think I'm crazy for thinking that? No, I don't think you're crazy. Um, I like him personally. I mean, Bad X's projection has him as the 15th outfielder, and he's he's going at 29. I mean, I just feel like you can get solid batting average, a lot of power, pretty good counting stats, a few steals. Like, he kind of does everything. I feel like he's a little underrated because of what you're bringing up. But – um yeah, barrel rates, hard hit, always strong. So, yeah, I, I'm totally fine with him here. Yeah, if if he does what the Steamer or Bad X or any of those projections have him doing, yeah, he's going to be really good. I think I'm just a little off of him this year, and I hadn't really felt that way in the last couple of years. All right, uh, 
Moving on to Evan Carter. Here's my complete the sentence. Or I guess I'm um, just... I take that back. Not a complete sentence. But a year from now, do you think Evan Carter's ADP will be higher, lower, or the same as it is right now? Oh, uh, that's, that's good. I think... I will say close to the same. If I had to pick higher or lower, I'll say slightly higher, but not much. Okay. So, you know, you, you and I have talked about him a lot in terms of, you know, I, th- I think we've talked about him a lot. We maybe have talked about him more off off um, air as compared to on this, but, um, you know, we've both had our red, like questions about this guy. And it's hard for me to know, like, have a good answer either. I, I don't have a good feel on this one. One thing I didn't expect was for Baseball America to give him an 80 speed grade. I, I just wasn't expecting whenever I opened up that prospect handbook to see that. And if he goes out and steals 30 plus bags, he could be really valuable because I do expect a home run total around 15 or so. And the positive spin is he does take walks really well and he's in a loaded lineup the opportunity for counting stats will be there. And I could see him in the top of that half of that lineup for years to come. That's the positive. The negative is he does seem to show platoon splits right now. And if that continues, he could be like what we're saying about Josh Lowe, which is the runs in RBI aren't quite what many had hoped. That's kind of what, like just my thoughts on him. Yeah. I've typically not been getting Carter. Um, just feels like, quite a bit of helium overall, but I don't think it's, I don't think it's terrible. I mean, I, he was so good when he came up and in the playoffs that he's got quite a bit of runway now, I think for playing time. And I think he'd have to be pretty bad in like a small sample for them to even consider anything else. I do think he's one of their best two or three outfielders. So just, it's like, the big things with him, or the negatives at least, I feel like, is the the platoon splits. Um, he had a 7.33 OPS in 2022 against lefties, and the reason I mentioned 2022 is just because it was all in the minors. Um, and yeah, I it's hard for me to know where to peg him. Like I, I think he could profit here, but. I don't know. I just have enough questions about him. Like I, I didn't love him as a prospect as much as others did. That's part of it too. Um, but I do think he's a good player and I, I wouldn't be surprised if he went a little higher than this next year. Um, I don't see it being a guy that's going to get like all the way up to the top of the draft, but yeah, something like that. And obviously a guy that can chip in across the board too. You know, looking at the steamer projections, they've got him at like 16 homers, 14 steals, 251 batting average. Actually, if I was to ask about the two out of three, which I didn't put that in the notes, um, I think I'd over like two out of three with that. I, I don't know. I think the the my underpick would be the home runs, if anything. But I think I'd over the home runs or the batting average and stolen base totals there, personally. So yeah, I think I'd I think I'd over the steals, but I'm not sure about the other two. Uh, moving on, San- Anthony Santander, Santander, he's another one of those safe guys here. It seems like we know what he is. Have you taken him in a draft yet? Santander, no. No, I haven't. 
Are are you like thoughts on him in general? Uh, I mean, I think he's probably probably a little underrated as a, on the whole. Last year, twentieth best outfielder, two fifty seven, twenty eight homers, ninety five RBI, eighty one runs, five steals. Um, pretty much locked into everyday playing time. So yeah, I I probably underrate him a bit. I think it part of it comes from this isn't exactly like a real cheap pro, real cheap cost, and you know there's no stolen base upside, so you kind of have to get the power, and you have to not lose playing time. I don't anticipate that, but um, yeah, I, I think he's like a solid bat. I don't I don't ha- think it's like one where it's going to be a massive profit, but um, probably not one where it's like totally killing you either so i'm mostly okay with it i think if i had the choice between him and teoscar which they're both right here bunched together but i just feel a little more secure with santander but they're both in organizations where if they're not performing well they can get lapped because there's just so much there are so many players behind santander with Kowser and kerstad both chomping to get into regular playing time that yeah he could get jumped too but i i don't know i just feel a little more secure about him just just out of curiosity who do you think's gonna take t oscar's spot like on the dodgers don't i mean it could be somebody that's not even on that roster yet with it being the dodgers i'd i let me go look at the roster i mean they've got they've got james outman and jason hayward as the other two outfielders Mm -hmm. i just i don't see it at all Uh, let's look at their farm system real quick and see if I can see somebody there that I could feel like could. But I also, but just to be clear, I also feel like it's this mentality, what you're saying is to why he's going here. Mm -hmm. I personally just feel like it's stealing. I mean, I, there is not anybody on the, like in their farm system that I would be expecting. I just, the Dodgers being a team that brings people in, was his, has his price gone down since he was traded? Has they've I'm not, him? I'm not certain on that, but because I don't, I mean, one year, 23 million. I mean, yeah, I guess if he's just absolutely horrendous, but that's what he I'm hasn't, saying. he he's hasn't gotta be been horrendous. that. Yeah. Like, but I'm just, I mean, he hasn't been that at all. Like, and, and I'm talking so bad that, yeah, I just don't see it personally, but, uh, what I'm saying is he's 31 and a lot of times those guys who who don't walk much when they get over 30, we see them hit a wall. I mean, it happened to Tim Anderson. I'm not, and it, it's going to take an extreme thing like that. I just kind of feel like he might be one of the types that it's possible. It happens to him. I mean, yeah, it's, it's probably, it's probably possible in the range of outcomes, but yeah. And on, and if he like that's where I go back to Santander, I just feel a little more comfortable with. But um, yeah, I think honestly this is not a tier where I've taken. Actually, I haven't taken any of these outfielders yet, so this is a tier I've mostly just passed on, in general. So the, I just I just feel like the other side of T. Oscar, there was like guys we talked about on the last show that he could blow past too. You know, like the upside to him is. Pretty high, I feel like here. I mean, obviously projections show that. So, so on the last episode, you're saying you're saying you take Teoscar over Asturi Ruiz? <laughs> yeah, 
Okay, yeah, we bit. won't carry on with that again. <laughs> yeah, last guy from this group is Jackson Churio. Uh, and he'd have to be a pretty horrible flop to end back in the minors. He's a 10th round pick right here with his the big record contract for a player who's yet to debut in the majors. And this guy does have the potential to be a league winner if it hits. So where, how are you feeling at this point about Churio? I know we've talked about him earlier in the offseason. Yeah, it's um, man. I tell you, I'm I'm so excited to see what he does this yeah. season. Like it's just, it's gonna be um, hopefully fun. You know, I mean, I have a few questions with like obviously elite prospect. Let me. I'll just start by saying this. I personally, he's he would be my number one prospect if I'm ranking prospects. I think he has the highest ceiling of any current prospect. If there's one prospect I think is going all the way to the top. And by that, I mean like one, one upside in redraft in the coming years. I think it's Jackson Churio. I think, I think that's all in play at some point, not this year, but at some point, um, I don't know how I feel. I like I'm warming up to it a little bit at this cost. Uh, steam, his steamer projection is essentially like the 63rd outfielder, which obviously is lower than this. They've, they've got 130 games down, which, I mean, if he starts in the bigs, should play more than that. Yep. I, I kind of just wonder, like, you know, he's never been a big walker, so how high can he hit in the lineup? I mean, I, I kind of expect him to hit in the lower part of the order. One thing to keep in mind is he is – he has – just about to turn 20. Yeah, isn't that March? And isn't that when it is? Yeah, yeah, March 11th. Okay. Um so and and some of these guys that are this good, they just immediately are superstars. And I I won't dismiss that at all, and that's the argument for taking him here. It's like why wouldn't you take a guy if he if this could be Julio Rodriguez, which I do think as we push towards March, especially if he looks good in spring, there will be people talking themselves into that. And I don't even necessarily think that they're wrong. Um, I just wonder a little bit about the power, the batting average, the counting numbers. I do think he'll run quite a bit, but I don't anticipate him being on base a ton in his first year if we're just talking like median projections. Um, but I do think he's talented, talented enough to exceed all of that and just – blow everybody away too. So yeah, I'm kind of like in between on it for now. Um, I'm warming up to it a little bit, but I'd like to see how spring goes. And even one of those where if I feel good about it, I, I'd take him even higher than this. Once I have a little bit more to look at, you know, I, I'm kind of like in between on it for this year. It's probably one I'm, I haven't drafted him yet. I probably won't have many shares of him. There's other guys going later that I feel like I like more just at cost, but he could definitely return this. I mean, the ceiling on this guy is all the way to the top. So yeah, it just kind of depends on where you want to take your risks in a draft. If it's on him in this spot, I totally get it. Um, Yeah. Kind of where I'm at. What do you think? Well, listening to you talk about him, a certain player who debuted just two years ago came to mind. 
And this is a guy who we, I, I think we could have had the similar conversations about this guy two years ago. This was his rookie season. 254 batting average with a 294 on base. Yep, I could check that out. 20 home runs, 30 stolen bases, 82 runs, 80 RBI. Does the player come that, to mind yet? That definitely works in this spot. Um, no, I don't know offhand. That would be Bobby Witt Jr. Yeah. It just like immediately as I was listening to you talk about him and thinking about him being young and the hit tool and doesn't walk much. Like, like he's got a good, like his hit tool, he's just young and he's, it's, it is aggressive, but it, I think it's time. And then I was like, oh my gosh, this sounds like Bobby Witt. And I went and looked at, re-looked at Witt's rookie season. I'm like, that checks out. Hmm. That just yeah. got me rethinking Yeah, possibly. It. Yeah. Yeah. It's, like I said, it, it kind of just comes down to where you want to. There's, there's risks spread throughout the draft, and you kind of have to, like, pick your spots. And, um, like I said, I, I think this is a fine guy to put it on. I just – I don't know. I'm still – I've been kind of – early on, I was like, no, I think he's a guy. And I actually – I do still think this. I, I don't personally feel like it's a guy that's going to take off from day one. But that stat line that you just gave is perfectly fine. And more than worthy of uh, whatever this is, ninth, tenth round pick. So, yeah, yeah, that would be a good that would be a good season. I think so. um now that I've kind of had that thought, I'm like I kind of want to get myself a share or two, which I've got him in a dynasty league. So no matter what, I'm gonna get to enjoy whatever happens or hate it <laughs> if it goes bad. But that just got me thinking again about him. Uh, all right, so. At this point now, 32 outfielders are off the board. Like, if you're at this point... Real real, real quick before yeah. you go. Do you think you think he starts opening day? Yes. Unless, he, yeah. he has to be absolutely horrendous in spring training, and I just don't know if I expect that. So, yeah, I think he'll be up. Yeah. Could he struggle the first so two or three weeks and actually get optioned down? Yeah, I could see that, too. Maybe maybe four weeks, something like that. But Yeah, I don't, I don't know. think it will I, I think about that too, but then I also think like if you make that decision, you kind of just have to go with it. I don't sending a guy down that's of this type of pedigree after he's up, man, it, I don't know. I just, I don't know how much I agree with that. I feel like you either do it at first or, and stick with it or you don't do it. I'm with you. Wait. He'd have to be horrendous for it to happen and it probably would take more like four, like 5 to 6 weeks. And I say that also him having that contract helps because they don't they can't say they send him down like the Jordan Walker deal last year where it's like, okay, if we just send him down for a couple more weeks since he's not blowing it up, we can get an extra year out of him. That's not the case here. So, I think I'm I, I don't expect it to happen unless he's just terrible and it's probably over a month of terrible really bad yeah. before it have to happen. I don't see that happening anyways. So anyways, we got 32 outfielders off the board. Like to you, what's your ideal number of outfielders you have at this point, 10 rounds in? Uh, I would say two or three, probably three, or if not three, I'm close to taking my third. Yeah, I think I'm usually two right about here and looking eyeballing the third. So I think we're about right there. Yeah. 
Uh, next three, we got Cedric Mullins, outfielder number 33 at 154 overall. Uh, Ian Happ at 156. And TJ Friedel with the Reds at 158. How do you rank these three? I I would probably, or I would definitely go Happ first, Mullins second, Friedel third. Same here. So, yeah. Okay. Well, why don't you talk about, let's see. Actually, I'll start with Happ, and then I'll let you do Mullins, and we'll just kind of, I'll start with Happ. I mean, it's. Again, I think this is, goes back to what we were talking about on the last episode. He feels like the safe guy, probably the lowest upside of the group, but he feels safest. Feels like he'll give somewhere around 20 homers and 10 steals, runs an RBI, be good too. And, you know, that batting average will probably be about 240 with a solid OBP there. So, yeah, it's just it's goes right back into the theme we talked about last episode with the safety net of these guys. Yeah, yeah, I I had 2010 with 250 down, so yeah, that's kind of like I feel like you can mostly pencil it in with Hap. He gets a lot. He draws a lot of walks. He's only missed 22 games in the last three years, so gonna play every day. Um, I don't really have any any concerns at all with Hap, and he can even. I feel like he can even pop for a little bit more. Yep. Like call it 25 homers and maybe 12 to 15 steals wouldn't surprise me. So. Yeah, I, I like Hap for sure. I've drafted him. Completely agree. I think the way I look at it is you bank on 20 and 10 and you just take the rest as bonus, which is very yeah. possible. Yeah. So Mullins and Friedel, you want to talk about them? Yeah, Mullins, uh, the more I've kind of, I've come around on Mullins a little bit. I Early on, I was kind of like, yeah, it's not really my guy. Because I kind of thought even a few years ago when we were getting peak Mullins, I was like, not a complete believer ever really. Um, but yeah, the projections are pretty good. Uh, I believe it was bad X had him for 21 and 30, 21 homers, 30 steals, which is pretty eye popping. Um, and I don't, I don't necessarily agree with that, but even if it's, you know, a little bit less, call it 16 homers and 20 to 22 steals or something. I mean, this cost, it's 11th round. I mean, I think it's fine. I My biggest thing with Mullins is I feel like as the Orioles are ascending, he's declining. And I mean, that's that's pretty clear, right? So then it just comes down to like, is he one of those guys that's just the timer is ticking until he's replaced? I mean, I think – like I see Mullins a few years from now just – being like a whatever outfielder on a bad team, you know, Mm -hmm. probably not even in Baltimore, but I also don't really, I'm not necessarily saying that he's going to lose his job like now either, you know, like, I mean, they've got Heston Kierstad, Colton Kowser, Kyle Stowers, but like none of those are great center fielders. Um, their outfield now, like he's the best center fielder that they have. And I, you know, he, he may be buried in the lineup, but it's a good lineup. I do think he can contribute with pop and some steals. So I think the cost is is fine. Like, I, I just, I don't think it's going to be really bad unless he just starts losing playing time and center field defense has value to where I think he probably sticks and ends up being all right. Mm, hitting sixth in the Baltimore Orioles lineup is not the worst thing either. 
Yeah. Um, yeah. He was hurt last year and there are a lot of prospects coming, but the same could be said about Friedel and the Reds in terms of guys coming and possibly getting squeezed out. I don't know if I'm too interested in either guy, but Mullins he feels like it's easier to repeat what he just did and maybe even a little more given the fact that, again, he only played two-thirds of a season than Friedel. Um, I think you mentioned this about Friedel last year. He had, uh, in terms of his barrel total, you mentioned it at some point, Larry had 13 barrels, which resulted in 18 home runs. So Cincinnati's going to help him get to a little more power than expected, but, you know, 10, 12, 14 homers, that feels a lot more realistic. With a 27% hard, hard hit rate, that that batting average could really tumble him. I think Friedel's a guy that could be at risk of becoming a fourth outfielder for the Reds at some point this year. So, yeah, he's another one that I'm, I think I'm with you. I'm completely off of. Yeah, yeah, I'm definitely off of Friedel. I, I have essentially no interest. I mean, 3.2% barrel rate. Um, and I know, you know, you're say you're getting the value from his speed. Uh, but, yeah, I think there's – I think there's risk of – losing playing time if he's bad like the first month or two of the season um 18 home runs which he had last year like you said on 13 barrels which is just ridiculous but um that was his career high even going through the entire minors you know uh bottom 10 percent of the league in hard hit barrel percentage i mean i would under i think projections are around like 15 homers i would under that um, and feed, actually they're, they're like 15 to 19, but yeah, I would under, I would under 15 if I had to, if I had to pick a side. So Same. yeah, just not, just not a Friedel guy. I'll find my speed elsewhere and not have to deal with some of the warts that I'm talking about. The next grouping here are guys we do like, um, well, two of the guys. And then the third one's on another position, uh, Jorge Soler at 162 and White Langford with Texas at 166. Then there's Tommy Edmond. We've talked on him at the second base podcast. He's got a ADP of 168. Soler, you know, he did really well for you, Andrew, in, in redraft leagues his this last year. His ADP was something like 100 picks later. And, and I know you like Langford's price this year also. Straight up. Let's. Who would you take first? Uh it's it's close. I, I they're very different. I mean, yeah. like I think it depends a lot on how you're trying to build the team, what you're looking for in this spot, who you want later, stuff like that. Uh, I probably would slightly lean Langford, but it's it's very close. Yeah, very close. They're yeah. just different. I don't. I don't like group them together. I know. I know they're close in ADP, but they're just not the same player at all in my head. No, they're not. They're very different, and it might be team needs and what you how you've drafted so far, so far. But I, I think overall, I'm going Langford. But I say that as somebody that just took Solaire and I participated in the Prospect 361 uh, Gladiator draft this last weekend, and Langford went. But Solaire sat out there for a bit, and yeah, I grabbed him and was very happy to get him. I like both guys, but you know, Langford, he's the one that could be a first-round pick in 2025 drafts. I'm not saying I expect it, but I wouldn't be shocked if he went out and had one of those like 25-25 or even pushed close to a 30-30 season. I, I mean, he did everything so well last year. I'm not like this. I'm not even sure I 
I'm not projecting either one by any means, but I just wouldn't be shocked if they happened. So I think I'd take my chances with him. I, the question is, when's he going to be up? And I don't know. I just, I, he could easily be sent down. I just think that the Rangers are going to rock with him. I think he's going to come out and continue what he was doing like all last year. And they're just going to, they're going to roll him out there. And being in the American league helps because I know there's bonuses if you finish so high in the rookie of the year voting. And I think I've said this before, but Yamamoto, he's over there in the National League. They got a few other guys in the National League. The American League is a little more open. And I think that could come into be a possibility to be in play too. And then there's Soler, um, you know, returned to 2019 form when he was in Kansas City. He's had a share of ups and downs in his career. And, but if he repeats even 80 to 90% of what he just did in last year, he's a good buy here. So hopefully he can stay healthy and let's see. Now he's in San Francisco. Does him going to San Francisco actually? Yeah. Well, I'll ask that now. Like, does him going to San Francisco change your thoughts on him at all? Cause I know no. some people were talking about being disappointed. He signed there. No, not at all. And that that's like he just hit all those homers in Miami. I can't imagine San Fr- I didn't look at park factors, but I can't imagine they're much different if not San Francisco being better. Yeah, they were I looked, they were like back to back. Not San Fran and Miami. Yeah. So, yeah, so I don't I just don't care about it at all. I there's there's no park in Major League Baseball that can hold down Soler's power. It's essentially just how many games is he going to play? I mean, that's really what it what it's going to come down to, I think. Um, yeah, I, lo- I love both of these guys, honestly, at cost. I mean, I'll be honest. I think I think people are stealing Langford right now, personally. As I you and that, I are, because you and I are grabbing him up everywhere. <laughs> yeah, I, I haven't got as much of him as you think. I, I've done, I think it's seven drafts. I've got him in two. So, But I've, I've targeted him essentially in every draft. I mean, kind of my thought is... As spring training gets here, as we see these guys and, you know, news comes out and stuff like that, I personally just think Lankford's a top, you know, he's a top five prospect. He's one on some lists. I don't think that this is a guy that they're going to hold back, really. It just doesn't make any sense at all to me. Um, Obviously, he was first-round pick for the Rangers this past draft. And in 44 programs... 44 pro games comes out with 10 homers, 12 steals. If you combine that with what he did in college, which I know college is college, but 31 homers and 21 steals in his 108 games he played last year. He's just polished. He's ready to go. I personally think he's at least their third best outfielder behind Adalas and Evan Carter. I think you can argue he's their second. Um, At the end of the year, we might see that we might be saying he's their best. Yeah, it, it's possible. Yeah, I, I I don't think that that's like off the table. You know, the the long term ceiling is high. I personally think the short term ceiling is high. I think he's drafted here, and going forward, like it's going to come down to win. You know, like if they come out and say he's starting in the minors, let's say in mid March, then obviously. He's going to drop a lot. And in fab leagues, you know, he'll probably drop even more than he will in draft and holds because 
you have to hold him until he comes up. Mm-hmm. But I personally don't think that's going to happen. I think if it does, I I would lean that it doesn't. I mean, there's always that chance, but I think if it does, he's still up quickly. And I just think he's going to produce. Like this is a polished hitter that like with the Churio thing, you know, Churio's going earlier and I get it, you know, Churio's signed right now. Lankford there hasn't been as much buzz on because that hasn't happened, but I just feel like he's going to start in the bigs, and I think he's more polished right now to like take off from day one than Churio is. Now, that doesn't have anything to do with long-term ceilings, like I said, but just right now, I, I really like this cost, and yeah, I, I think it's going to be really good for Langford. So just mostly just the main question for me is just when he comes up. You know, I, I think once he is, it's like he's going way up from this, and that's a lot of why I've targeted him like – you know, what's going to happen when we get to late March and what I think is going to happen happens and he's going at like pick 85 or something, you the know, Jordan then Walker treatment, then he got to reevaluate. But yeah, right now I just really like him. Um, and then, yeah, with Solaire, like I said, I, I mostly with Solaire, it's how many games will he play? He always has these like oblique issues and just little knickknack injuries that keep him banged up. But when he, when he's playing, He's an elite power hitter. Um, I wonder a little bit if he's UT only next year. Only played only played 31 games in the outfield last year. But yeah, it's clear what he is. You know, um, elite power hitter that just needs to stay on the field. They've got him penciled at DH right now for San Fran. But the park thing and all of that, I, I don't even care. Like, there's very few players where it's like their power is going to play in any park, and Solaire's one of them. So yeah, it doesn't doesn't matter to me. It's an interesting thought I hadn't really thought about, but I would bet it, like, if you had me guessing, I'd say more likely than not that he's only DH only next year because they do yeah. have a lot of outfielders right now, and I don't think they have to stick him out there. And for that reason, yeah, I think he might be a DH only. Something for Yeah, it's hard to say for sure leaders, going, but... going to a new team. It's hard to say for sure, but, yeah, I could see it too. You know, one last thing on Langford, and that is that the Rangers seem to have kept a spot open for him. Even Roster Resource still has him plugged in, in on that in that lineup. And the only two players on that team that could come in are Ezekiel Duran and Travis Jankowski. I think Langford's just got to wet the bed in spring training for them to send him down, personally. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, and like I know we've talked about Leody too, but it's like, I mean, Leody's a really good defensive center fielder. That's gonna we're gonna get to him, but I mean, it's clear that Wyatt Langford's a better player than Leody, you know. Yep. So it really just comes down to when they want to do it. But yeah, I think with him, I just I feel like it's coming where he's gonna just be up early, if not opening day. You know, Matt, that's a that's a, that team. JD Martinez still not signed, right? Um, I don't think so. This lineup makes a lot of sense for him. Get him. Yeah. I just looking at their lineup right now, it just kind of clicked. I was like, huh. Yeah. What do you think about Langford's like long term ceiling? You want to get into that or move on? Um well, we can talk about it. I mean, I think he's one of those guys that's going to be an all like I don't take it lightly whenever I was hearing people talk about him coming out of the draft and they were saying like he's the biggest prospect since like Chris Bryant. Him him and Cruz both were like the yeah. biggest prospects since Chris Bryant. And that spoke to me because, 
and just watching what he did last year, I see a star. I see a first round talent and like I don't know if he'll be like every year, year after year, but I mean I think he's going to be one of those guys that's a first, second round player for quite a few years to come. I like he's a clear one one in first year player drafts for me. And yeah, I I top twenty dynasty asset twenty five. I I don't prop he would be in like he doing my dynasty startup. He went in the second round. I think he was on the one two turn, and yeah, that's not far off of where I'd take him. Yeah, yeah, pretty much for me too. I I personally think that his long term appeal is how good he's going to be for a long period of time. I I don't necessarily view him as a top of the first rounder, like year after year after year after year. Um, and I mostly say that because I don't think his speed will be super loud as he gets into like the next few years. I think early on it could be, but or it could be solid, but I don't think it'll be loud enough to go at the very top. But that's not a slide on him at all. I mean, like a bat like Corey Seager has been productive forever, you know, and that's kind of what I view him with with maybe some extra steals. But I just think he's gonna be good for a really long time and i i see his peak maybe being like a late first rounder second rounder but there's nothing wrong with that i mean it's just awesome player for many years you know i think 15 home runs he could be some or i'm sorry 15 steals or something 10 15 steals or something he could still do for quite a while but, yeah um never like not the 20 to like I said, he might go 25, 25 or something like that. I, that I wouldn't expect for a lengthy amount of time by any means. So I guess that's, I guess we're saying the same thing. Now that I think about it. All right. Yeah. We can stop that. I guess we, we can stop crushing on him now. Yes. I, I think we've talked about, we've hit our, we've hit, gone over our white length. For yeah. We're going to, we're going to have him in. Uh, I've got one, one in RM one and you've got it in RM two in the, FYPD, so and we've got a plenty pretty, of uh, shares already. Pretty easy pick, yeah. All right, outfielders thirty nine through forty one. We got Jaron Duran at one seventy, Chaz McCormick one seventy two, and Riley Green at one seventy five. Here, now, Andrew, you typically don't like the middle infielders that have statistical outputs like Duran has. Um, you know the soft hitting speed guys. Am I safe to assume you're not really a fan of him here? I don't know. I wouldn't, I don't know if I would say that I, I haven't drafted him yet, so I can't, I'm not going to say that I'm in. Um, I do. I see it though. Um, I think there's a chance that he leads off for Boston and I could see him having, you know, like perfect world with this guy. I could see him having like, 13, 14, 15, call it 15 bombs and a lot of steals. And um, yeah, I think he could have a solid average. I think he could score a lot of runs. He trimmed his ground ball rate last year by quite a bit. Um, Now that said, I don't think any of that is a lock necessarily. Um, But I do think that he's one to watch in spring training. Because if there's if there's talk of him leading off on Boston, I mean it could get pretty pretty interesting. So I haven't drafted him yet. 
One thing I'll say is if you don't have speed, don't take Estuary Ruiz. Just take wait and take this guy. Like I don't yeah. like he's got he's gonna have at least be one of those where you have a chance to get more home runs and you know the counting stats, the better team, like all of that. So I, like there's it's an if you're gonna pivot off of Estuary Ruiz, I think he's he's one that can help more across the board and stuff like that. So yeah, I would watch spring with him for sure, but I think he could I I think he could shoot up from here in drafts personally, depending on how spring goes. I I think I'm Man, this is a guy that could all those things. All that are said, possible. all that said, I I haven't drafted him yet. But go ahead. <laughs> yeah, I I see the fact that he hasn't barreled the ball much, hasn't walked much. I just I worry about him hitting two seventy with a three fifteen on base percentage, three twenty something like that, and they just have somebody else out there performing better. Yoshida, I mean, he doesn't walk a lot either, but um, you know, better hitter, I think, in terms of making contact, I. I wonder if he's one of them that could end up taking that spot from him. They just move him back to the leadoff, but I don't know. They don't have a great leadoff hitter when I look up and down their lineup right now. So maybe, maybe he will be able to stay up there. Cause, and if he does, yeah, that's obviously really good for him. Um, Chaz McCormick, he had 22 homers and 19 steals in only 119 games after he came up. So 2020, that feels realistically possible for him, right? Yeah, I mean, I I think he could be around that again. Um, you don't, you're, yeah, you're, good. You don't have much enthusiasm there, there. So, well, I mean, I guess, I guess the reason is I don't, I don't think he's doing like much more than than this either. You know, it's I like if I had to bet if he's undering what he did last year, or overing, I'm undering it. But I mean, I think he's, I think he's solid. I think he's good combo guy, like power and speed, um, secure role in the lineup. His season last year was the 32nd outfielder and he's going at 40. So a little bit of the regressions baked in, but not much. Um, yeah, it was good in the second half, 874 OPS crushes lefties, 948 OPS career. And last year was tied for seventh in the league against lefties OPS over a thousand. So, oh. Yeah, definitely, uh, definitely a daily guy against lefties. Are, I mean, you're playing in most weeks in any format, anyways. But even in shallower leagues, when he's doing that, yeah, I think Chaz is about right in this spot. I don't. I've got him. I think I drafted him once, so don't mind him. Here is a one of those guys that can kind of give you a blend across the board. Should help out. You know, he's one of those guys I really thought as we were doing our divisions and I looked into him, I'm like, this is a guy I think I'll end up with a lot of shares of. And I'm three or four drafts in now. I think I'm four drafts in and I've yet to get a share. But I still like him. I um, don't mind the price. The one thing is he's probably starting the year near the bottom of that lineup and they are going to take a lot of good bats ahead of him. Like, I'm sorry, there are a lot of good bats ahead of him and it probably takes some injuries to move him up. So there is that for the counting stats, but yeah, I kind of like the price. And then finally there's Riley green here at 175. What should people drafting him this year be expecting? Cause he had a pretty, he, he had a good run there last year before the injury hit. Yeah. I think the main thing uh, with Riley green is I think you can definitely expect a strong batting average. 
um, 271 career. He's only, I mean, he's only 23. So, and at, everything looked pretty good last year, like with hard hit data, barrels, you know, expected batting average 289. So I, I think he's a good hitter. Um, it obviously has a lot of pedigree, you know, elite prospect and all of that. Um, my main question is the power and it's not, it's not so much like his hard hit rates are fine. His barrel rate has gone up. And like I said, he's 23, so he can still grow. I mean, who knows how, how much he could grow, but Comerica is the worst park for left-handed power yep. over the last three years. And I just, I feel like that his ceiling for homers, at least at this stage of his career, just isn't real high. Projections are mostly around like 17 homers, nine steals with a good average. Like I said, he'll hit near the top of the lineup. So he should, you know, provide solid counting stats and all that. But I I can't, it's, it's like really hard for me to imagine this guy getting to like 25 homers. Right now, I'm saying. I, I'm not saying forever, but it's hard for me to see that spike with the park. It's just that park saps power like crazy. If you put this guy in a different situation, different park, I'd like him quite a bit more. Um, but here I'm just kind of like, it's just okay to me. You know, like I, I don't think he's going to kill you. I mean, there's no like, – he's not has no chance of losing playing time or any of that. But – I I tend to go for a little more toolsy when you're getting into this range, and I don't know how I feel about him. I'm just kind of like, it's just kind of okay to me, you know? I used to play a lot of MLB The Show. I haven't played as much the last six months to a year, but always hated playing in Comerica Park for lefty power. I mean, that right center field yeah. wall just sucks. <laughs> yep. And, yeah, I think he could be a 2010 guy. I think that's possible. But which kind of what I said about Ian Happ, uh, except, you know, Happ feels a little more like you can lock it in. But, um, you know, Riley also, I think, has a better chance of having a higher batting average. So I think there could be some upside in this pick. I was out on him a year ago, but his performances last year, I really think he stepped it up, showed a little more in the power department. And I think I might be a little more interested. I haven't grabbed a share yet, but I think I could be looking his way a little more this this year yeah if he if he goes 2010 it's going to be a really good like it's going to be a great pick here because yep. it's going to come with good batting average and counting stats and stuff so all right next group we got three more outfielders 42 through 44 we got yoshida masataka yoshida that is with boston at 187 brandon nemo at 197 and james outman at 198 so let's start with the two guys that were rookies this last year in Yoshida and Outman. Outman seems to have the better power speed upside, but Yoshida is the much better hitter at the plate of the two, or at least that's what they showed so far. Uh, him or him on those two guys for this year? Uh, I don't think I'm drafting either one really, but I would probably take Yoshida. Yeah, I was in the same boat. I think Outman might have the better power speed upside, but Yoshida being the better hitter should be near like in a decent spot in the Red Sox lineup all year long. Level swing will keep the power limited, but he'll make a hot, lot of hot, hard contact, I think. 
or a lot of contact, that is, I should say. And Altman could be another dangerous outfielder pick I mean, for the Dodgers. I mean, they don't have many other guys like your point, but if he goes out there and struggles, he doesn't have the track record that Teoscar has also to where I think he's got, he has even more risk. Last year, the stats were awesome, but um, for those that grabbed him, but the barrels and the expected batting average would lead you to believe that that 248 average and the 23 home runs were a bit higher than what you should be projecting. Though he walks a lot, his his batting average was to drop um, uh, like 20, 30 points than his OBP could too. And that might not be a full-time player for the Dodgers. Yeah, I... Yoshida last year was the 33rd best outfielder and Altman was 30. So they were close. Um, yeah, I just feel, I feel safer with Yoshida. I think um, that's why I would take him, but it's not by much. Yoshida is mostly a stabilizer. I mean, he'll give you volume. I, I do feel he's one where again, kind of, kind of like Riley green really won't hurt you. Should help in batting average. Uh, he was he was better than I thought he'd be last year. Uh, Two eighty nine with uh, eight for eight in steals, so that's nice. If he can tick that up just a little bit and go from like 15, eight, 15 homers, eight steals to call it twenty and ten, I mean that that's huge because then, like I said, you're pairing it with the good batting average, so. I don't. Yeah, Yoshida's not usually one that I look at, but um, I, I think it's I think it's solid. Yeah. And then without withoutman, it's just more risky. I mean, Outman's best output is probably higher than Yoshida's, but I just think the floor is much lower. Um, like I said, thirtieth outfielder last year. I feel like you're just paying a little too much for that. Walks a lot, but K's a lot too. 343 Babbitt and a 228 XBA. So if he cut the strikeouts, that would help. Um, and I don't think he's kind of like when I was saying with Tioscar, I don't think Altman's probably losing playing time this year unless he's just really bad. But I also think he's a type that could go through a big slump and be really bad too. So just things to think about with both of them. Nimmo's my favorite out of the three. Yeah, I was saving him for last. I think you plugged me into him at the be- at the end of the year, beginning of the offseason. I think you had a stat. I hope you've got it here. Something about where he was ranked amongst hitters. Um, just like incredibly underrated. Feels like a floor player here. If he stays healthy, he should be able to have a solid batting average with a home run total near 20. This guy isn't winning in any one leagues, but he's a solid player. Yeah, what what number outfielder was this again? Forty three, right? Mm-hmm. Is that uh, that's forty four for for Nemo? Oh, I thought it said forty three. Oh, Either no, way, you're right. I'm sorry, I looked at the. You're right. Yeah, so forty third outfielder last year, he was twenty sixth amongst the year before, right? amongst outfielders. Yeah, year before, he was eighteenth, and. Yeah, I think he's one of the more underrated guys. And again, I mean, it's just it's what people don't gravitate to, including myself at times. It's it's boring volume. But last two years, 274 batting average both years, 270 career. So he's going to help you there. Last year, career high, 9.5% barrel rate. So he's hitting the ball harder. 
Lots of walks, which we know. I mean, that's pretty much why, you know, that's why he's hitting at the top of the lineup. He's a volume guy. And if he stays healthy, he's he's just going to be value again. You know, like there's no it's it's really just because he does his value is a lot tied to accumulation and just playing every day, hitting at the top of the order and accumulating those stats. He does it in a boring way, but I mean, his worst WRC plus in in the last four seasons, his worst WRC plus is 130. And he's 16th in baseball and runs scored in the last two years. I mean, like he's just underrated, like whatever, whatever you want to say. And I get it. You know, he doesn't have loud. This is why he doesn't have loud power. And he doesn't have he's not crazy fast, like he's not going to steal a ton of bases. But he's going to help you in average. He's not going to kill you in power either, or unlikely to, you know. And he'll score tons of runs and have a lot of volume. So that's where his value is. I like him at this spot for sure. I, I don't. I'm not saying I get him in every draft. I think I've drafted him once or twice. But if you need a, just a stable, steady option, like he's a good pairing with Langford. You know, I it's I. I take Langford because I like him and I think he's got a lot of upside and it's like, let's lean on some safety, Brandon Nimmo. You know, it's just, I just think he's solid and likely to give you value here as long as he's healthy. So I was ecstatic to get him in that gladiator league this last weekend. And I mean, he like guys like that, again, you're just looking for floor players and guys who should be able to stay healthy and give you production. And yeah, he's a good buy there. I can't imagine what his, what his, um, like if you plug in OBP instead of batting average. Oh, where he'd where rank. he's at? Yeah, that. Yeah, last year actually it doesn't change it that much. Twenty third. If you just go off of last year, twenty okay. third out, twenty third outfielder. I figured it would be a bigger discrepancy, but he is a good batting average player too. That might be why. Yeah. Yep. Uh. Two more guys who are OBP guys are the next, and that would be Lars Newpar at 205 and Stephen Kwan at 206. And these guys also feel like floor players, OBP guys with solid hit tools, but aren't going to go nuts in the power speed department. Andrew, I know you hated Kwan's price last year. Um, this year it is lower. Have you considered taking him around here in drafts? You know, at this point we're at the, I guess, 14th round? No. hasn't gone far enough yet no i i haven't said as much about kwan this offseason because he is going lower but he's he's still not my guy 13 barrels in 1079 career batted balls wow he has abs he just has no he has no power like no power zero Bad X has him for two home runs. <laughs> I mean, it, it barrel rate in last season, 258 hitters. He ranked 256th in barrel rate. Year before, 252 hitters. He ranked 249th. Now, I know people will say that's not what his strength is. His strength is batting average. He runs, and he's a good defender. Like, he does do things well, but... I, I'm I'm just not trying to draft two home runs or five home runs or eight, whatever it is, seven, whatever you want to call it. I'm not trying to draft that in my starting lineup. I'm just not. 
And I'm not saying that I'll never have a guy that ends up getting that, but I'm not like going out of my way to say, you know what? I need batting average and a few steals so bad that I got to hit Stephen Kwan in round whatever this is, 14, 14, 15. Like, yeah, I just, I don't want to take those players, you know? So I'll find my average in steals in other ways, but it's, it's just too much like tilted that way with him where, um, yeah, I just, no interest. Yeah, he's a negative in the home run category. He's going to be a negative in the RBI category. He should be. He, like I would definitely over that 268 average he had last year. I mean, I think he's more c- closer to what he did in 2022. But And the steals aren't just going to – like 20 steals is not as valuable also as it was two years ago. That's another thing to think about is, you know, even that isn't as valuable. So, yeah. You know – Newbar, though, I think he could be intriguing. As I looked into him, I didn't realize on him, you know, the pop. I think he's, there's a little more pop than I gave him credit for. You know, he had 14 homers in 117 games to where it's like, I guess maybe he could push himself into the high teens if he maybe even get to 20 under on a right year with a 250 average hitting the top of that lineup. That's going to get stolen bases and, or I'm sorry, get runs and, you know, steal 10 bags. I mean, Maybe he is another one of those guys that can go twenty ten and have that Ian Hap time type season. Yeah, that's actually a good comp. Yeah, um, I don't typically, I don't typically seem to end up with Newt Bar really, but I mean, I've that never could be once a mistake. Drafted him, and this made me rethink that. Yeah, I, I don't. Um, he's one of those I've I've never minded when he's been drafted. Like I get it. But he's just never been a guy that I land on typically. But I will admit, I there's definitely things I like about the guy. Like, like you said, Ian Happ is actually a really. Now that I'm like thinking about it, it's a really good comparison. Mm-hmm. I mean, some pop, some steals that you know chip in. He's not a zero, and you know maybe like an okay batting average, not great, but on base skills that are strong that allow you to hit, you know, higher in the lineup than if they weren't strong. So, um, yeah, he needs to get back to lifting the ball a little bit more. Uh, his ground ball rate was up and fly ball rate was down last year from the year before. But yeah, overall, I, I like, I like new bar. I think he's fine here. I, I don't, it's probably one where I've overlooked him too much previously and, um, yeah, I think I think it's totally fine. That's why I, I love doing 100, this. 100 times out of 100, I'm taking him over Quan. Yes. That's yeah. why I love doing this. And honestly, this helps me find guys that I maybe haven't thought about before that I've just kind of breezed past. That's why I love doing this research because it helps me find – like, it makes me better. Uh, let's move on to the next group. We got, I'm going to list off eight outfielders here. These guys are between picks 213 and 234. Um, jumbled up in here these are outfielders 47 through 55 we got christopher morell at 213 with the cubs dalton varsho with the red blue jays at 213 starling Marte at 218 with the mets carrie carpenter 224 with the tigers tyler o'neill new boston red Sox at 225 jared kelnick at 227 with atlanta now lord escuriel with Arizona at 229, Taylor Ward with the Angels at 231, and Henry Davis at 234. I think there's a lot of interesting names to just have conversations about here, and I'm just going to start at the top with Morell. 
and you being the Cubs fan, are you certain this guy's going to have a starting role on this team on opening day? I think he, I think he definitely should. Yeah. I mean, certain is a strong word, but I think he should for sure. As long as they cannot bring back Cody Bellinger, right? Yeah. I don't know about all that, but I like, I, I feel like he can play around the diamond enough that there should be a spot for him. He played every single position on the diamond last year besides catcher and first base. Jeez. And he could and he could play first base. So I mean, he could DH. Like this guy definitely has issues, strikes out a lot. The walks aren't crazy. They're okay. They're not crazy good, but um and he's kind of like a free swinging type. You know, you know what he honestly reminds me of? And I mean this in a good way, like several years back, is there's some I feel like there's some hobby bias in him. Hmm. Um and I and I mean that in in like all the positives in terms of like the guy's twenty-four years old. There, you know, there, he's got a lot of flair, he's got a lot of like power, um, some speed. Like I, I think he's one that's gonna have like a peaks and valleys career. And so and you know, obviously we're seeing the valleys now with Baez, but um yeah, I, I definitely think he should he should play. Like there's the only guys that I would mark down, I know you had a didn't you say something in here about who was uh, I thought there was something in here about who was um more likely to play. Well, I guess when you were talking about the role, but like Horner and Swanson are obviously locked in. Hap's locked in. Seiya Suzuki's locked in. And then obviously he's not playing catcher. But that's five slots. And I don't think that there's anyone else that should be more locked in on opening day. So, yeah, I think I think he should for sure. I think he should start. And, yeah, projections like him quite a bit. I mean – Bad X, 25 homers, 14 steals. Steamer, 25 homers, 10 steals. Batting average in 240 to 250 range. But, yeah, I I think long-term, he's very volatile. But he's young. He's been productive. So, yeah, I kind of, uh, I kind of like Moreau. I think the Javi Baez comp is a good one. I think I've heard that said before. You know, this guy does hit the ball so hard. He strikes out a lot. I kind of thought about Nolan Jones, except a few less steals and walks, but I think Javi Baez is an even better comp there. Um, moving on, we got St- Steamer giving uh, Starling Marte 263 batting average with 14 homers and 30 steals, and um, that's a value right here if he was to do that. How would you over-under the best of three on that? Dang, you just skipped over a show like, like it's nothing. I guess I did. I completely <laughs> no, I didn't even mess on the notes. But, it's fine. Varsho, well, I, I don't have much to say, but it's just funny. Apologies to Varsho here. <laughs> I didn't even, I never even realized. I never even wrote anything about him. You know, the 20, let's see, he had the 2016, 20 homer, 16 steal. Now he's not catcher eligible. That Let's, let's talk yeah. about him. I think for, you know, what are your thoughts on him just overall, you know, I didn't even. I don't even know if I dug. I yeah, not, right I, don't past have, him. I don't have a ton. It was just it's funny because we had the list and it was just went. Um, mm-hmm. Morel Marte. I had to give you some shit about that, but <laughs> no, yeah, he 
Varsho, it's it's tricky because it's like catcher, no, no more catcher, outfield only. I'm not super big on him. Um, Man, that's he has played out of a swing. He has played a couple, uh, or he has played a lot of games the last couple of years, but only a 674 OPS last year. When you when you're doing that in the outfield, you just start wondering like how much uh, how much time they have left, you know. But career um, OBP 298. That said, that said the the Jays right now they're they don't have tons of options so I don't think he's too much at risk but we can get into Marte I just was messing with you for the most part okay you said best of three best of three 263 with 14 homers and 30 steals oh man it's um I think if I had to pick I would take the under because I think I just think there's more risk in taking the over on that. Yeah, me too. Even if he played a full season, I think that under could hit. I definitely yeah. under the homers of 14 steals. I just, I'm not banking on that. And then the steals could happen over a full season. Like I could buy that one. And then it comes down to batting average and you combine the injury risk along with the, you know, the batting average has been dropping. And yeah, I think I'm, I, I definitely am taking the under on him. Yeah, I would I would take the under, but I will say with Marte, I think this is like a pretty good example of an older player that has upside. Like I don't, you know, we all we all have in our minds like, oh, the the guys with upside are the young guys that we haven't seen yet, and they can break out and do this or that and shoot all the way up. And um, and while that is true, a lot of the times there's also like different forms of upside. And I do think that if Marte is healthy, which is a big if, and I, I don't have any idea, you know, he could just be totally cooked, not able to stay healthy, all that. But like, if he hits that projection, which keep in mind, I do think that steamer tends to favor older players a little bit as opposed to younger. Yes. But I also, I mean, it's still a median projection. It's like if he hits that in this spot, that's a good pick. So, um, yeah, I, I do think that there's a world where Marte is just healthy in spring, hitting. His role isn't going to be at risk. I mean, it's mostly just going to be how healthy he is. And I don't know, maybe he's just a bad hitter now, but I don't really believe that either. So I think I definitely think uh, think Marte can return value in this spot. I I've drafted him a couple times. I I don't mind it here at all. I, you just have to be aware that it could be it could be a bad pick too. Like he's better in IL leagues. Like I said, I don't completely trust his health, but I mean fifteen thirty or even twelve twenty five in this spot. I mean I, I think it's fine. So I haven't grabbed a share of him yet, but I'm definitely not out on that price. I. I've liked I've liked him the last few years. I've been a Marte guy for quite a few years now, and I just don't think it's fallen to where he's gotten to me. I thought I had him in the auction league and got topped late, but yeah, I I like Marte. Um, Tyler O'Neill, Jared Kelnick. You got to pick one that has a better shot of rebound rebounding here with a fresh start in a new organization. Which one are you taking? I would take your favorite player. Tyler O'Neill. 
I took the same, but I I I, oh, I think I threw up. I thought we had a I thought we had a bet. <laughs> mine was I'll take Tyler, but I don't like either guy. That's so, fair. Yeah, you go yeah. first. Why'd you say O'Neill? Um, I actually, I actually kind of like O'Neill at this price. Uh, consistently barrels the ball. Again, another guy. It's like we really just need him to stay on the field. I don't have his games played pulled up for the last couple of years in front of me, but I know it's it's not good. Seventy two and ninety six um, in the last two years. Yeah, yeah. And so might I add, that's, he actually I think he had a lot of time in the minors, so I shouldn't use the previous year. So yeah, seventy two ninety six. Sorry, go ahead. Yeah, so that's that's a big thing. Um, but the walk rate the last two years has been over ten percent. Like I said, still hits the ball hard. I think he's going to have every every opportunity to play. Um, and I've seen him go. The main, the main reason is I've seen him go 34 home runs and 15 steals in 2021. And I, I don't see any world where I don't really see that again from O'Neill, but I don't see any world where Kellenick does that either. You know, I, with Kellenick, I just have, when I say I have no clue what I'm drafting, I, I, this is a guy, (laughs) I have no clue what I'm drafting. And the one thing with Kelnick that I do like is that the Braves like him enough to bring him in cheaply granted. But when a team like the Braves or the Dodgers, especially like those two, and maybe there's a couple others when they're interested in a player enough to acquire them, that to me, it's like, that means a lot. So I do value that and think that if it's ever going to happen for Kelnick, it's probably happening pretty soon here. But, yeah, it's like last year at the end of April, he had seven homers and five steals with an OPS over 1,000, and then boom, right back to not that good, you know? So, yeah, I just have no idea what I'm getting there. And I feel like if O'Neal is playing, which mostly just means is healthy, I feel like his fantasy output will be desirable on some level. Like, I think he'll have power and speed. Some, you know, the batting average will probably be ugly, but I mean, with Kelnick, I don't, I don't feel like I can lock in anything. So that's why I'm taking O'Neill personally. Remember in the 2007, Randy Moss, where I'm going back here to, and we're going to football. He looked like he was cooked in his last year with the Raiders. And then he went to the new England Patriots who were and starting their run here as just being a dynasty. They had already won three championships and Moss went out and had a, like insane year record, like record breaking year that year. And a couple years later, it was actually the, um, the year that they had a strike or a lockout going on into the summer. The lockout was resolved and the Patriots immediately signed Chad Ochocinco and Albert Hainsworth. And (laughs) those didn't go well. Chad Ochocinco was a complete flop and it didn't work out. And, I don't even know if he finished the season with him. If he did, he wasn't playing much because I there were reports he didn't even know like know the playbook real well. I say all that. Atlanta Braves, they are the New England Patriots. And the question is, is Jared Kelnick going to be Randy Moss or is he going to be Chad Ochocinco? <laughs> <laughs> That's where the story that came to mind as I just started I, uh... talking here. I definitely wouldn't bet that he's Randy Moss. So. Nope. Uh, we'll see. 
Nope. I and Chad, don't get me wrong. He he was, had a great career, and it's not an apples to apples because those guys were already previously stars. Kelnick was the big name prospect who did not work out in Seattle. So there we go. Um, I was out of the picture in 2022. And when I looked at Lourdes Gariel, I saw that he had somehow only hit five homers in 121 games played that year. What on earth was that about? Yeah, from everything I could tell with that year with him, it was just all of his hard hit balls were into the ground, essentially, because his hard hit rate was pretty close to the same, Mm -hmm. um, but his barrel rate was way down, so. That was all I could really come up with. But generally with Guriel, it's not a guy that I'm I'm usually looking at. I think he's – there's some of these guys when we get into this range, and we're, we're kind of getting into a range here where we're talking about like fourth and fifth outfielders. And generally speaking, like I've got my base at the position, and I'm looking for guys that can really jump and give me – a lot of value from where they're being drafted. And I, I think that Guriel can volume his way. Like some of these guys that are boring and you can just kind of plug in what they do. I think he can volume his way to a profit here. It's not that it's just, I'm, I'm probably not taking him because I don't think I'm getting the real big jump in value from here. And there's a couple other ones coming up that I'll say similar things about. It's like, when, when you're talking about like fourth and especially fifth outfielder, I'm more trying to get a guy that I think could finish per game if it's like a young guy or whatever is like a higher higher than higher level than this. You know what I mean? Like just get me some real juice. So I don't see that with Lourdes, but I do think he could finish as like a top 40 or 50 outfielder. And if that's what you're going for here, then he's probably fine. What about Taylor Ward? Uh, you know, it, when I looked at him, I, I kind of saw a poor man's Brandon Nemo possibly out of this guy. And I think it made me a little more interested in him. In him. What do you think of that comp? Yeah, it's, it's fair. I I think he's kind of similar with what I was saying with Lourdes. I mean, yeah, I, I he's going to play every day. Yeah, play every day. 25 or 20 home run, five steal type, good walk rate. Um. Yeah, I I do think that he's a solid pick. It's just I'm usually looking for a guy that I can squint and see more than that. And um. Yeah, not not typically my guy. There there's so many outfielders, man. It's like, and and the good things with these guys is they should be in the lineup like mm-hmm. every day, accumulating stats and all of those things, but. When you get down into these ranges, I'm more I'm just way more likely to shoot for upside that's higher than Taylor Ward, you know. And if that's like your your guy that stabilizes, you know, like you could do it where you're taking the risk higher and taking the more solid pr- production here, but I don't know. I I tend to do it a little differently, but yeah, I don't think I don't think these guys are like bad picks. It's just not really my guy in this range. And what do you, how do you feel about it? Yeah. I mean, I, I think I kind of like him and I don't mind it to some extent. It just depends. I haven't taken Taylor Ward yet. And some, a lot of these other guys I haven't either 
just because I've seen some guys a little lower that I've been high on that we'll talk about. But um, yeah, I don't mind him here, to be honest. I, I like I'm wondering if I need to be looking into safety because I'm waiting so far on these third, fourth, fifth outfielders or fourth and fifth outfielders that maybe I should be looking for a little more safety. But then again, I kind of like the one other ones I've been taking too. So I, I think I have just continued passing over them. Yeah, I do like I do like Ward a little more than Lourdes, so I would take him of the two. You and I touched on Henry Davis in the catcher preview. Uh, the ACL injury happened to Andrew Rodriguez shortly before we did that, and Davis is supposed to get more time at catcher, but he's also not a great catcher defensively, and in the last week they've brought in Yasmani Grandal too. But... um. On that other note, the other thing I've learned in the last week is he spent some time in driveline this offseason, and I was seeing reports that his swing just looks a little quicker. And I got to say, I was like, I've I've kind of seesawed with him a few times already this offseason, but anytime I hear about somebody's swing looking a little quicker thanks to driveline, that gets me a little more interested. I think I'm like, I took him in the, I think the last round or second to last round in that gladiator league, which is one where I can't put him at catcher, but I'm like, I'll take him as a fifth outfielder. Just hoping that maybe there's some, you know, what he did, what he learned down there just added a little more to like gave is going to give him a little more juice in that swing. Yeah. With Davis, I kind of look at him like a catcher essentially now, uh, just because I fully feel that he's going to get it. Grandall so, doesn't change that for you, huh? Um, it may impact how soon he gets it, but I still think he's going to get it. Um, so as the catcher in the last month, if you look at him as a catcher, he's going nineteenth among catchers, like right, right about where Tyler Stevenson goes. And I just kind of look at it like that. I with with catchers. If I'm in a spot, and this actually happened in, in my last draft that I just did, I essentially, it was a NFBC 50, so it was 12-team draft and hold, and I took Will Smith in you know the early part of the draft, and then I was hoping to get one of those guys from the tier that we like as my second, because you know 12-teamer, I just know that I can get other outfielders and guys down the board, and I just kept missing them, missing them, missing them. And I finally got to a spot where all the catchers just had no upside. I'm like, what am I going to do? And then it just clicked. I'm like, I'm just going to take Henry Davis. So Henry Davis, in theory, is like my second catcher. Mm -hmm. Obviously, he's got to get the 10 games first. So you have to be aware of that as well. But I think he's going to get them. If he had catcher, I think he probably moves up a few picks. But I also think that he, like people who are drafting him have that in mind. So it's, it's like he's. In the draft room, it says OF, but you're thinking him more along the lines of Kedrick. It's a good point with Grandal. I guess it, it could be a little longer. Um, but, yeah, I still think he'll get it. You and know, I think it could be it could be really valuable, too. I do think that. So, yeah, I'm in on, I'm in on his price. Roster resource is not the be-all, end-all. But I was just surprised when I pulled up their um, roster resource lineup. They don't even have him in the lineup right now. But they somehow have Joshua Palacios over there in right field as a starter, and I'm just like, what? <laughs> uh, I, I'm not buying that one. Yeah, I wouldn't worry too much about that. All right, that's where we're going to cut this off for the night. 
Andrew and I, we're going to be back in just a couple days. Sunday morning, we'll do all the rest of the outfielders after number 55 the rest of the way. So hope you guys enjoyed. Thank you all for listening. And until next time, take care, everybody. Thanks again for listening to the Baseball 365 podcast with Justin Hughes and Andrew McQuiston. Be sure to check the show notes for all the details on today's episode, along with quick links to Facebook and Twitter. If you have a question, a comment, or a suggestion, we would love to hear from you. You can find us at the Baseball 365 Facebook group or send an email to us, baseball365pod at gmail.com. And if you like the show, take a moment, rate us on iTunes. And once again, please join the Baseball 365 community on Facebook. That's where baseball lives 365 days a year. 